everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. As you might know, I love looking at the analytics for my podcast on what used to be Anchor, but is now Spotify for podcasters. From, of course, number of listens to which countries has somebody curious enough to check out this podcast. And I suppose, since this is hosted through Spotify for podcasters, so of course it seems correct that I wouldn't get a notification from Apple Podcasts that I got a new review. So special shout out to 123 Fake Street. Thank you for listening and thank you for your review. And I hope your close friend is enjoying their own aerial experience. Getting your review, 123 Fake Street, was again a nice pat on the back that what I'm doing, people are finding, people are listening to, and sounds like enjoying. So again, thank you for that. And now, to avoid any sort of senseless rambling, I'm going to go ahead and say it. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled The Return of Mr. Edwards and debuted on November 5th, 1979. The episode was written by Arthur Heineman and directed by Michael Landon. Because... We haven't heard it in a while. This episode begins with a familiar ditty sung in a very familiar voice. Old Dan Tucker is being sung and a pair of feet are sauntering towards the screen. Needless to say, the camera reveals Mr. Edwards strutting his way down an old dirt road. And it should be expected because we haven't seen Mr. Edwards in a while, but he is in a new shirt. And he is 100% not on the prairie, but in a forest. In fact, he is one of many of the workers in the scene. Oh, wait, let's skip that. He, Mr. Edwards, is apparently the man in charge. We find this out when a man named Shorty informs Mr. Edwards how the current wagon load is running a little behind schedule. Shorty even encourages Mr. Edwards to go down to the team and push them, threaten them, to get the job done faster. But we know Mr. Edwards as being a big, soft teddy bear, and being mean or threatening is just not his way. So he inquires to Shorty what he should do instead, and Shorty suggests, uh, you could just go down there and start singing. Mr. Edwards chuckles, leaves Shorty, and continues a walk through the worksite. And that's when we hear, Pa! And it's little Alicia Sanderson running into the scene with a uh, picnic basket. She's there because her and Mr. Edwards have a lunch date which apparently he forgot about. But he assures her that getting this work done quickly is important because once it is done, they can get on to their plan of heading to Walnut Grove for a month-long vacation. However, before turning Alicia around, he does ask if he can have one of those sandwiches in that picnic basket. They are apple bottom butter 
sandwiches, by the way, which he promises to eat as he's working. He gives Alicia a kiss on the forehead and sends her home with the promise of being there once it's dark. Famous last words. Little Alicia, as she is trapsing home, she stops to harvest some fallen pine cones. And of course, at this moment, we hear, it's going down. I'm yelling, Timber, you better move. Mr. Edwards turns and watches. And yes, that tree, it's coming down. At this moment, Mr. Edwards notices Alicia's location and how it's right in line with that tree. Mr. Edwards turns and bolts, yelling at little Alicia to get out of the way, but she is frozen on that spot. She eventually notices Mr. Edwards coming towards her and she moves and Mr. Edwards takes her place as that tree falls. We cut to the Hib in Walnut Grove late at night. Charline is there with Adam and Mary reading a letter about Mr. Edwards' status, who apparently in this moment has given up the ghost. Signed, Grace Snyder Edwards. Mary is shocked, but takes this moment to recall that first Christmas they had where Mr. Edwards made his way through the snow in his long johns to deliver some presents. Adam takes this moment to announce it sounds like Mr. Edwards' spirit is more broken than his body is. Charles mentions, if you could see him through my eyes, he was a mountain man. He could do anything. Adam takes this moment to remind everyone whom Mary used to be able to see, but now she can't. That didn't stop her. We cut to a scene of Mary and Adam playing footsie under the table. Just kidding. Sitting next to Charles, Caroline mentions that it's time, time, time that will eventually bring Mr. Edwards out of his funk. My words, not hers. She continues by professing how Grace's love should also help Mr. Edwards with his depression. Adam? Eh, I'm not sure. In fact, Adam recounts how Charles and Caroline tried their best to help Mary when she first lost her sight. But it took an outsider to really help Mary turn around and admits sometimes it's too hard for loved ones to be firm enough in these kind of situations. Mary concurs. This is when Charles tells Caroline Albert can take care of the farm and Jonathan Garvey can find a helper at the mill so he can head off to wherever Mr. Edwards is at. Caroline, of course, go off again. I don't mind. It's only the first time this season. I'll be okay. As she begins to wonder the exact locations of handyman Chris Nelson. Charles then instructs Caroline to send a letter out to Grace that he will be there ASAP. Caroline takes this moment to suggest uh, you should take Laura with you. She doesn't say it out loud, but we're all thinking it. In a moment like this, having one less child around the house would be perfect. Charles places his hand on the left side of his abdomen as he hears a gunshot in his head. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. 
but Caroline reminds Charles and us of the close relationship Laura and Mr. Edwards has. And if anyone can raise his spirits, she can. Charles, trying to get out of bringing Laura, says this situation just might be too much for her. This is when Mary opens her mouth and says Laura can handle plenty. Do you need a list? And realizing he is not going on this adventure solo, Charles concedes and says, all right. We cut to a white room. Off camera, we hear Shorty tell Grace he stopped in town to get their mail. And slowly, we see Mr. Edwards sitting up in his bed, 100% bored. This is when the door opens, and for the first time since season three, we see Grace Snyder Edwards. Before she even gets a chance to say anything, Mr. Edwards tells her not to allow Shorty, or anybody else for that matter, from stopping by for a visit. She claims Shorty is just trying to help, and Mr. Edwards, I don't need his help. Grace counters with, well, I do, and he is keeping the mill running for you. However, it's when Grace shares the news of Charles and Laura arriving for a visit that really upsets Mr. Edwards. You, you told them? Grace explains how the Ingalls were expecting them for a visit and how she had to tell them something. And she figures, why not the truth? Mr. Edwards then yells, you didn't tell me you were writing them. And Grace, uh, I didn't think I had to. She continues that maybe deep down, she did know a letter would bring them. Because at this point, she isn't able to cope with how Mr. Edwards is treating himself. She continues on how busy Mr. Edwards is with shutting people out. First, he turned Carl away. So sadly, no surprise visit from Carl in this episode. Grace continues how Mr. Edwards' attitude is also making little Alicia feel miserable. And Grace herself admits she's at wit's end. And for all her explanation, Mr. Edwards reminds her, well, I told you what to do. And Grace, I will not leave you. He then takes this moment to tell Grace to scram, I don't want to see you cry. As Grace gets up to leave, Mr. Edwards delivers further instructions to turn Laura and Charles away when they arrive. I don't want to see them. And I don't want them to see me like this. Grace gets up, says no, she's not going to follow those instructions, and leaves the room. We're transported outside the house. Little Alicia is making her way down the front porch, and that's when she sees the arrival of Charles and Laura. Alicia turns, yells for Grace, and together they run out to meet up with Laura and Charles. As Alicia gets closer, Laura yells out a hello, and Charles yells out, Hey, Samantha! Just kidding. What he does say is Alicia doesn't look anything like the little itty-bitty thing when we last saw her. While Charles and Grace exchange a hug, 
Laura gives Alicia a wrapped present. Grace then instructs Alicia to take Laura into the room they will be sharing. And with the children gone, Grace... Grace spills the entire teapot, and Charles tells her to let it all out. Inside, we see Mr. Edwards in bed, lying on his side, covering his face. We then hear, I always said you looked best, hind and up. Charles's words, not mine. And that's when Mr. Edward looks up at his old friend. And I must confess, it's a moment I didn't realize I've been waiting for. The two of them exchange niceties, Lokes, family, house, and then Mr. Edwards inquires, Why did you come, Charles? Charles admits that they brought a wagon load full of presents from Walnut Grove. Mr. Edwards, of course, calls a charity. And Charles, eh, not really. Starting to raise his voice a little bit, Mr. Edwards then proclaims, Oh, do you just want to see how I can get around? Fine, I'll show you how I get around. And in this moment, Mr. Edwards moves the blankets off of his legs to show Charles their state. And refusing all help from Charles, Mr. Edwards eventually stands up, ignores his crutches, and starts to move. And his movement suggests that his right leg is not functioning at all. And after three, we're just going to call them steps, Mr. Edwards face plants. Looking at his friend on the ground, Charles starts to move. But Mr. Edwards yells up, Leave me be. Did you just show up so you could see me crawl all over the place? And trying to prove he's anything but damaged, we watch as Mr. Edwards alligator crawls himself back to the bed. There, now you can go back and tell everyone how good I crawled. He then yells at Charles to get out of the room. Charles then leaves his friend, but not before promising that Laura will be in soon for a visit. We find ourselves with Laura and Alicia in her room, trying on Laura's gift, a new pinafore. I would advise Alicia to check to see if it's only been basted. It's a very gray pinafore. Laura suggests perhaps Alicia should model it for Mr. Edwards. And Alicia shakes her head and explains, he doesn't like me going in his room. She concludes with, I don't like going in his room. Laura proclaims, sick people love visitors. It cheers them up. And I have to wonder, did it cheer Laura up to have company when she had anthrax? Hmm. And Alicia, not Pa. He doesn't like to be looked at. He shouts at me when I enter. He scares me. She even speculates that that maybe Mr. Edwards blames her for this situation. It's all my fault. Laura puts her foot down and states, if anyone's going to get credit for anything, it's me. Just kidding. She reassures Alicia it's not her fault. However, Alicia is still not up for a visit. But Laura heads downstairs to Mr. Edwards' room. Grace opens the door. Laura enters. 
and Mr. Edwards is on his stomach, which I know it's wrong, but that's the only way I can sleep. Mr. Edwards moves his head and looks at her. From Laura, we hear, if you were a gentleman, you would say hello. From Mr. Edwards, if you were a lady, you would knock first. Touche, Mr. Edwards. He then asks her to turn around so he can reposition himself. Mm, I'm decent now. And they look eye to eye. And we see a smile from both of them as Laura heads over to the bedside and hugs Mr. Edwards. Grace closes the door behind her and we hear from Mr. Edwards, Ah, are you trying to strangle me to death? <laughs> Let me look at you. They both take a moment to mention how each other look. Laura reckons that she thought Mr. Edwards would look more sick. And Mr. Edwards, well, I reckon your medicine is all I needed. He proceeds to tell, remind Laura that she's his favorite. Don't tell Mary or Carrie. And Laura interjects, or Grace. Oh, I forgot about her. And I have to say, don't worry. At this age, baby Grace is mostly forgettable. Mr. Edwards continues, ah, still wearing pigtails, braids, and asks, when is she going to put her hair up? Mm, and apparently Mr. Edwards knows about context clues and proceeds to ask Laura, uh, you got yourself a bow? Laura giggles. Mr. Edwards does inquire who this special someone is, and Laura, no one's as special as you. She then takes this moment to tell Mr. Edwards that she can still spit as far as ever. Mr. Edwards smiles and continues, well, um, I hope you learned something more from me than just that. They both reminisce about that first Christmas out on the Kansas prairie, which might have also been their last Christmas together. Mr. Edwards then states, well, you've seen me in my long johns and now my nighty. I think that's enough. I'm getting a little tired. Laura says, well, I'll, I'll see you later. And with a smile, proclaims how she's sure he'll get better. With her gone, Mr. Edwards sits in bed and begins to hear sawing from outside. He gets up to look out the window, or at least uses his crutch to move the curtain to look out the window, and it's Charles sawing some wood. Grace enters and suggests that Mr. Edwards get dressed for supper. He takes this time to ask whether or not Grace had asked Charles to do this chore. She says no. It's something he decided to do on his own. And it's in that moment Mr. Edwards proclaims Grace needs a whole man, not a broken one like him. Upset, Grace leaves the room and we get a lingering shot of Mr. Edwards in bed. We cut to evening time. Charles is rinsing his face off at the sink, and Grace is finishing up a tray for Mr. Edwards. Proceeds to try to take it to him, but then comes to his door and finds it locked or barricaded. As Grace and Charles try to open the door, Laura and Alicia are sitting patiently at the table. Unable to open the door, Grace puts the tray of food down and they have a seat, and Charles proclaims they're not going to let this ruin their dinner. And once the adults have taken their seat, we hear 
glass, porcelain, ceramics, something, break on the inside of the room. Grace informs us that sometimes he throws things. The silence is broken by an even louder crash, which proceeds to get Grace up on her feet, and she speculates Mr. Edwards has most likely fallen inside the room. The door opens up, and our Mr. Edwards is out of bed, dressed up, using his crutch, and announces how come everyone is eating without him. Taking a seat at the table and having his food placed in front of him, Grace suggests Mr. Edwards should say a blessing. However, Mr. Edwards redirects this and says Charles should do the blessing because he's a sometimes preacher. And after that blessing, Mr. Edwards proclaims, mm, this beats eating all alone, followed by a, what are you staring at? To Alicia, as he takes a bite and compliments on how delicious the meal is. It's at this time he then lets it slip how he craves some venison and asks Charles if there's still good hunting around Walnut Grove. Upon hearing the word hunting, Charles looks over at Laura and says no. Just kidding. He says that the recent population growth around Walnut Grove has made it near impossible to do any sort of hunting. But since he's there, that perhaps they can go hunting around this area before they leave. And Mr. Edwards jumps on that and proclaims it's such a good idea. It's at this time Grace doesn't think it's a great idea, and the two of them start to have a lover's quarrel. But Mr. Edwards seems set on going on this proposed hunting trip, and he explains exactly what they would do. Hearing about another hunting trip, Laura inquires if she can go too. Mr. Edwards takes this time to then repeat nearly exactly what he said the last time Laura asked to go hunting, back in The Hunters Season 3, and how hunting really isn't for women. However, remembering how much he hates to cook, Charles proclaims they're gonna need somebody who can, giving Laura permission to come along. And with that, Grace tells them all to shut up and eat while it's still hot. We cut to the next day, possibly, and we see Laura, Charles, and Mr. Edwards on horseback heading out into the wilderness. We get a small montage of them traveling and then setting up camp. And all that horseback riding and setting up camp has brought us to nighttime. Charles and Mr. Edwards are staying up late, chatting about the hunting. And this is when Mr. Edwards shares a story about an old acquaintance who, at a certain age, when he couldn't hunt no more, went out to the woods, alone, to die. Mr. Edwards speculates, I reckon he felt kind of useless. He then says goodnight. We cut to the next day, and Charles is checking those rifles, making sure they're not loaded or leaning up against a tree. Mr. Edwards himself checks up on Laura, who is just waking up, and announcing she's hungry. At which point, Mr. Edwards directs her to stay at the camp and make breakfast as they go off hunting. And before Laura starts to complain how this is not fair, she is promised Charles and Mr. Edwards will go out hunting later in the day, and she can tag along then. 
And with those two men heading off, Laura states, no matter where you are or what you're doing, women always end up in the kitchen. We watch this morning hunting trip. Charles is doing the tracking and Mr. Edwards says, you're being too loud. And how all this noise is going to scare off any buck. This is when Mr. Edwards announces that the best plan is for him just to stay put while Charles gets up and goes ahead and perhaps forcing any buck to backtrack in front of Mr. Edwards. It's at this moment in watching the episode, it kind of dawns on me about Mr. Edwards' story and it's quote unquote foreshadowing. And we watch as Charles leaves Mr. Edwards to continue that track and eventually does come across a buck. Meanwhile, Mr. Edwards, he is trimming down a twig and puts it in his mouth so he can reach and grab a hold of his shotgun rifle and, oh goodness, Mr. Edwards is having a very intense and personal scene as he aims that rifle at himself. And just as Mr. Edwards positions his forehead in the crosshairs of that rifle and getting ready to use that twig to reach the trigger, Charles's boot kicks that rifle away. What in God's name are you doing? Mr. Edwards responds with a, leave me be, just let me die. Charles then identifies this whole ruse of a hunting trip. He picks up those rifles and announces they are heading back now. And still sitting on the ground, we get a no from Mr. Edwards. I'm not going back. Charles then threatens to tie Mr. Edwards to a horse and drag him back if he has to. But Mr. Edwards, he starts to plead. Don't take me back. Please. I'm half the man I used to be, and I don't want to be a burden on Grace. Let me do this my way. Please. Charles seems a little shocked by Mr. Edwards' determination, but promises Mr. Edwards he's not going to stick around to help him out as he leaves with those rifles. Back at camp... Laura is trying to get a word in to Charles, who has returned to camp, but he instructs her to break it down. Do as I say, and no questions. Laura takes this moment to inquire if anyone is hurt. Charles rolls his eyes and says, no, no, get things prepared, as he takes a horse to go pick up Mr. Edwards. But returning to the spot, Mr. Edwards is no longer there. And while Charles pursues Mr. Edwards, of course, behind the trees, Laura is pursuing them both. Mr. Edwards has repurposed an old piece of wood into a crutch as he makes his way down to the water's edge. However, there's no hiding from Charles. You thought you could hide your tracks in the river? You're more than a fool than I figured. And while Charles is trying to help Mr. Edwards, Mr. Edwards is not having it. 
yelling at him to leave him be and let him pass in his own way. Of course, it's at this time Laura enters the scene and yells at both of the men to stop it, which they do. Charles then tells Laura to return to the camp, but Laura, she wants answers. She doesn't understand these two fighting, and Charles suggests that Mr. Edwards go ahead and explain everything. And Mr. Edwards, eh, you have no right to interfere, whether it's here and now or after you're gone. I'm gonna do it. Now give me the rifle. Charles, at this moment, confesses he won't stop Mr. Edwards, but he's not going to help him either, and he takes those rifles and starts to leave. Laura pleads they must help Mr. Edwards. And while Laura is getting more and more frantic, Charles is not having it. And whoa, he straight up smacks Half Pint. And the both of them seem a little stunned. But Laura follows Charles's orders and returns to camp. Charles eventually makes his way back to camp and finds Laura, and they have a heart-to-heart, and he instructs her to take the horses back down to the road and wait. Laura, you're not gonna leave him, are you? Charles shakes his head. No, I'm not ever gonna leave him. And head in opposite directions, both scared and not sure what to do. With Laura heading back to the main road to set up another camp, Charles heads back to Mr. Edwards. And finding his friend, Charles shares where Laura's at, and Mr. Edwards inquires, Why'd you come back? Mr. Edwards, at this time, shares the story of the development of an electric chair, which he calls more humane than hanging. He continues by saying, Why are there so many things for folks who don't want to die, but nothing for folks who do? If you want to be humane, Charles, then leave the rifle and go. Charles says no, and that it's time to find some supper. We cut to Charles sitting on a rock, lotus position, and praying. Just give him a reason. Just a little bit's enough to live. Please, show me the way, Lord. And at that moment, a young buck comes out to the water's edge. And while Charles tells the buck it's safe, he tries to scare it off, and actually starts to move closer. Trying to scare off the young buck, Charles fires the rifle, but that young deer doesn't move. And Charles whispers, show me the way. Over with Mr. Edwards, we hear that gunfire, and immediately Mr. Edwards is in response mode and is on his feet, and he hears Charles calling for help. Mr. Edwards eventually finds Charles on a rock with another wound on the left side of his abdomen. Deja vu. And while Charles pleads that he needs a doctor, Mr. Edwards proclaims that he can't do it. But Charles, laying there on the rock, you're going to have to. Now, get going, please. And we watch as Mr. Edwards makes his way through the woods, trying to get help for Charles. 
and this goes on for a while. It's not a montage. These are rather long takes of Mr. Edwards trapsing, navigating the woods, but he is determined to save his friend. And I can't help but wonder, why is he not yelling out for Laura at any time? Speaking of, cut to Laura at that new setup camp where Mr. Edwards eventually makes it to and shares the news about Charles. Wiping her brow, Laura exhales. <sighs> at least it wasn't my fault this time. Just kidding. Laura is of course concerned and Mr. Edwards is tired, but still concerned. Then, from behind everyone, we hear Charles, I'm here, and announces how he's going to get this buck's blood out of his shirt. And while Mr. Edwards is stunned to realize that Charles was not shot, Charles retorts with a, don't sound disappointed, you're supposed to be my friend. Mr. Edwards responds, I thought you were dying, I almost killed myself trying to save you. Which, of course, we get from Charles. I thought killing yourself is what you wanted. And Mr. Edwards is stunned. And as a smile starts to break onto Charles's face, he confesses that he did have a hard time keeping up with Mr. Edwards. You sure do move fast when you're thinking of someone other than yourself. His words, not mine. At this moment, Mr. Edwards breaks the silence and announces to Laura that as soon as her paw has rusted up, they're gonna head back home to taste some venison. And smiles spread across everyone's faces. We cut to Laura, Charles, and Mr. Edwards arriving back at his house on horseback. They stop short, and Mr. Edwards gets off his horse and turns to his friend and says, one day, Ingalls, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think of you. Back at the house, we see Grace and little Alicia Sanderson step out the door and down the front steps. And they see Mr. Edwards. And Mr. Edwards shows them that he has made his way back into Grace's and little Alicia's arms. Looking at this scene, Laura announces how this was almost a miracle. But according to Charles, not almost. And together, everyone makes their way back to the Edwards Snyder Sanderson house. So let's get right to reviewing and rating this episode. I was so happy when I read this title as I started season six, and I was a little excited to bring back my Mr. Edwards voice, but I have to say, the description of this episode, as described on iTunes or Apple TV, it's there where the episode is described as when Isaiah Edwards loses his will to live after a crippling logging accident, a letter to Walnut Grove from his worried wife Grace brings Charles and Laura back to the big woods to try to help their old friend, which is actually putting it very, very vaguely. So as this episode continued, uh, I was invested. And more so, of course, because of the established relationship with Mr. Edwards already. 
And while Laura and Mary only seem to recall that Christmas, and Charles doesn't really ever go into specifics, he is still, of course, a very close, close friend of the family. But us, watching, we've had our favorite episodes of Mr. Edwards. We've been given the story of his life pre-Ingles, and we saw that point where he became a family man. And of course, everything else in between, from shooting holes in roofs and feeding rattlesnakes stew, to getting a goat intoxicated. And out of all that time, the one moment I can really recall Mr. Edwards being really distraught was, of course, when little Alicia was suffering from mountain fever, smallpox, whatever. Oh, and how can I forget when Mr. Edwards had to deliver some tough love to Charles, who was adamant on setting off some dynamite during a funeral. So here with his return, we get such a bigger punch in the gut when we see this accident. And slowly we get to that point where our original Mr. Edwards returns, hopping out of bed, putting on a very familiar red flannel shirt, and going to great lengths to make sure everyone in the room at the moment is okay. And we want to believe everything is okay until they head out on that camping trip. And we watch Mr. Edwards try to execute this plan that he literally just told us about in the last scene. It, it was such a surprise. Suicide has, from what I can recall, made two previous appearances in the Prairie Verse. More recently, with the character of Zachariah in Gold Country at the end of Season 3, and then back in Season 2's Soldier's Return. And again, Soldier's Return stands as one of my top 10 episodes. It was a great character study, but what was missing in it was more of a connection. And here, we got that. Our history with Mr. Edwards makes us more attached to him. So this episode was, well, that was a pretty amazing one. And what else was pretty amazing was, of course, this week's Little House moment. And I already said it earlier, those reunion scenes of Charles and Laura reuniting with Mr. Edwards. Again, up until that moment, I didn't realize how much I wanted to see that happen again. And it 100% did not let me down. And with that, let's get to rating this episode. For me, uh, the biggest complaint I have about the return of Mr. Edwards is it feels like a revised edition of season three's The Hunters. And sadly, missed opportunity with not having Carl back as well. But other than that, this episode was awesome. And it does seem slightly coincidental that as I was watching this episode over the last few days, I read something in my newsfeed how Zach and Zelda Williams posted a tribute to their father on what would have been his 72nd birthday. And Mr. Edwards, just like Robin Williams, whenever on screen, always brought a smile to my face. And that's why it was such an unexpected event 
to happen in this episode. It was also great to have a return of not just Mr. Edwards, but Grace and little Alicia, who was actually little Alicia this time. It's almost a family reunion. All we need now is John Jr. to return somehow, again. But overall, a very powerful episode and a great update on our wonderful Mr. Edwards. And that is why we are going to give this episode, The Return of Mr. Edwards, a 4.75 bonnet rating. I'm distracted enough by the return of characters, an amazing story about a very difficult subject. But overall, this still feels like a story I have seen before already. But thankfully, in this case, it wasn't a long run episode. And those are just some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode. And as always, I wouldn't mind hearing any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode or any previous episode or season. From Plum Creek with Love at Instagram and Gmail is how you can reach me. Again, as always, ratings or reviews left on your platforms of choice about this podcast are always appreciated. Come back next week as we recap Season 6, Episode 9's the king is dead. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and until next time, take care.